welcome to Turn the Page, the official podcast of the Syosset Public Library. before this starts <laughs> i'm keeping that in by the way because um i'm always drinking coffee and uh, i think our listeners should know um that uh <laughs> when, when people are caffeinated uh welcome everyone to say libraries turn the page podcast this is jessica um with say libraries turn the page podcast and we are actually welcoming back um an author who um we had you on last year i believe was it last year Yes, it was last yes. year, probably around the same time or maybe a little later, I think. Right. Yeah. Um, for all her little secrets, which was so good. And now we have Anywhere You Run. Um, welcome back, Wanda M. Morris. Tell us uh, about yeah. Anywhere You Run. Uh, thank you so much. So, yeah, this is my second book. And, um, you know, I had all the the sophomore scaries about, uh, you know, Will it be okay? Because it is a little different from my first book. Um, Anywhere You Run is what I describe as a cat and mouse kind of thriller about two sisters who find themselves in different sorts of trouble, but trouble nonetheless. And they both take off running to different parts of the country. Uh, One sister heads up north. One sister winds up in a small town in rural Georgia. And... um, as they are trying to start new lives for themselves, what they don't realize is that there is a man with very um, dark secrets of his own who is hot on their trail with a really unique motive for finding the women. So there is actually, so one thing I really um, was really interesting. So there's, this is historical fiction. So all her little secrets um, and not to give too much away, these books kind of touch, right? (laughs) Yeah, there's a bit of an Easter egg in there. Yeah, they touch. That's all I'm going to say. Um, but this but you don't have to read one before the other or anything. They're both standalones. Yes, absolutely. You and to be honest with you, it's it's more of just like a bonus um, in this one. <laughs> I've read all her little secrets, but you really should. We'll get back to that. So um, this yeah. book here, um, Anywhere You Run, so it's historical fiction, uh, but it opens with um, a reference to um, some murders that actually did happen. Um, yeah. So uh, do you want to talk a little bit about that? And then we can kind of get into um, uh, Violet, a.k.a. Vera and Marigold um, <laughs> and just, you know, who they are. Yeah, yeah. So the book opens up with uh, the brutal murder of three civil rights activists, Cheney, Goodman, and Schwerner, um, three young men who had come into Mississippi as part of the Freedom Riders Project to help uh, Black Mississippians get the right to vote uh, in 1964. And they were murdered in Neshoba County, Mississippi. And um, and and I like to tell people the reason why I started the book with such um, a dramatically horrifying um, opening is because 1964 Mississippi was um, a very different place. It was uh, it was treacherous and it was um, entrenched in um, segregation. 
And so I wanted the reader to become immediately immersed in the time period because it kind of sets the stage for what happens throughout the course of the book. Yeah. Yeah, no, it really does. And um, it informs just the world that these sisters are mm -hmm. living in. Um, not that things are just like honky dory as soon as uh, they leave. You know, mm -hmm. I know um, there's there's talk about things being better at nor up, up north. And then the question is, are they really better or are they better in some ways? But the more things change, the more they stay the same, um, you know, and then there's the, there's pretty much what they're going through. So, you know, they had a sister, uh, Rose, I believe, um, who is yes, no yes. longer with them. And you don't find out why until later. But their names are Rose, Violet, and Marigold. And they were like their parent. They were considered their parents bouquet, which I thought was very sweet, yes. by the way. Yeah, yeah. And it was also to a nod to the fact that um their their parents lived with such um such horror and trauma around them, living in, you know, the segregated Jim Crow South, that their mother um thought she was bringing something beautiful in the world each time she gave birth to a child. And I, I think that that's that's really what a lot of black people had to do then is to find the beauty in in the midst of all this this very uh very mature situation. So one of them is raped by a white man who has been um basically harassing her and he and she just she's decided that's it. He's not gonna do this to anyone else. She takes matters right. into her own hands and she kills him. Um mm -hmm. and then she's basically like, uh oh no. I have to get out of here because I just, you know, no matter what she did, like she could tell the police that he was harassing her. He, she could report the rape. It doesn't matter. doesn't matter. It yeah. doesn't matter. She was a black woman raped by a white man and she doesn't get any, um, there, there, she doesn't get, I mean, it, you know, it, there's just She won't no, get justice. She no won't justice. get justice. No accountability, no justice. Yeah, no justice. Uh, yeah. she so she decides she's going to make sure this does not happen to anybody else and she decides she's going to make her own justice and then um the other sister is an activist and she becomes um involved with a man who she's working with and he gets her pregnant and she has like she puts him on such a pedestal this man is you know, he's so smart and he's, you know, so righteous and he is just sleeping with her and has no interest in helping out or being involved in this baby's life. So the two of them, um, that's it. And that's where the stories <laughs> diverge. Um, right. So when you were writing um, Violet slash Vera and um, Marigold, were they, you know, how did you sort of differentiate the two voices? Because they had very distinct voices. Their journeys did have similarities and differences. Um, what I know some some people, I know some authors, like they'll use like a playlist when they're when they're writing one character and another. How did you get into their voices? Yeah, that's a great question because that was one of the challenges of this book. The book is told in um, several different points of view. And I really did want to make sure that the two sisters in particular um, had very distinct voices. And um, 
the way I did that was in how I um, how I kind of created um, their worlds around them, if you will. So, you know, Marigold, um, she used certain terminology and, you know, trigger warning, there are some racial epithets in the book. Um, but Marigold, because, you know, she aspired to be a lawyer and she was working with the Mississippi Summer Project, which was a civil rights initiative, um, she um, was, you know, yearning to, to be more than what Mississippi offered her. And so I tried to make sure that the language that she used and, and the way she spoke um, hinted to that. And with um, Violet's voice, Violet was one of these people was she was just, you know, kind of feisty and I live for the moment and I'm going to do what pleases me. And so I tried to create a dialogue around her that, you know, was kind of fast moving and fast thinking and not really, you know, searching for a higher place, but just kind of like I'm living in the moment. And then one of the other things I tried to do was to make sure that the characters that interacted with them, um, they fed off of that. And so they interacted with these two sisters in a certain way that you could kind of hear their voices uh, were different. How much research did you have to do into um, both the Mississippi and um, the Mississippi Summer Project, and also just, you know, the different places that they ended up in order to really give this rich, authentic scope of what they were going to go through as um, two young Black women in these predicaments and also being per pursued um, by uh, somebody with his own agenda. So um, for that, I have to um, first and foremost give a huge uh, shout out and thanks to the Auburn Avenue Research Library on African-American History and Culture here in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, they are part of the uh, Fulton County Library System. And once I had decided on the, the topic I was going to write about, I walked into the library the first day and I told the librarian, you know, here is the type of book I'm writing. And, you know, I need to know whatever it is I need to know about this time period. And, you know, he looked at me and he's like, I got you. And, you know, he kind of immediately went about gathering up all these books and papers and um, giving me access to all these documents um, that gave me um, the ability to research very, very um, uh, in depth into um, not only, you know, the Mississippi Summer Project, but also um, uh, the murders of Cheney Goodman and Schwerner. Um, in addition to all of that, I, um, I read a ton of old magazines um, like Life and um, Ebony and Jet and all sorts of magazines from that time period because I not only wanted to know um, the historical aspects of the story, I also wanted people, I, I wanted to have the ear of 
you know, how people talk and and what they were talking about during that time period. What was the music like? What was the fashion like? Um, and so I did all of that. And um, it, it wound up, I, I hope, um, coming into the book in different sorts of ways, the way people talk, what they wore, um, the dances that they did. There's references in the book to that. Um, and so I tried to make sure that the reader uh, was immediately immersed in what it was like in 1964, whether you were in Mississippi or you were in Ohio, which was one of the places that the sister, uh, one of the sisters ran off to. You did a really good job. I was actually, it was so funny. I, I was waiting for you. I was like, is she going to say immersed? Is she going to say immersed? Because I, I, it really is an immersive experience um, reading you. the book. So you, you nailed it. Um, you. you know, I, I was also going to ask you a little bit about the audiobook version there. So it's uh, the dual narrators, correct? Yeah. Did you, yeah. yeah. Did you have any, um, say in who did the narration? Yeah, you know what? My publisher has been very, very good about that with both books. Um, they um, kind of come up with the list of potential narrators, and then they send me samples of all of them and say, hey, give a listen to all of these and tell us which ones you like, which sounds like the voices that were kind of in your head as you were writing the book. Um, and so I, I always give a shout out to William Morrow for uh, giving me some say so in that. Yeah, the narrators are just wonderful, wonderful. Yeah. How do you build suspense? Um, like, is it, do, do you have certain points that you're like, okay, I want to, like, do you write in sequence or are you like, do you have like a timeline as to when you want certain things to happen? So I am, um, I am a plotter or, you know, I do outline my books. Now, you know, when I say outline, it's not an in-depth outline, but I do know where um, kind of the big scenes of the book are. Um, so it's funny because when I am writing a book, you know, I don't, hear voices in my head necessarily what I hear is like dialogue between the characters and so they're not talking to me I really kind of hear them talking to each other and so I try and capture that all down um in order to build the suspense I try to place my characters in very difficult positions and then <laughs> try and figure out how they're going to navigate their way out of it. And I think when you do that with the characters, it naturally builds suspense and tension. You know, if you throw a character down into a dark basement and lock the door and they're just there and it's just dark, but then they start to hear noises and footsteps coming toward them. And now they have to figure out how to get out. I think that that kind of naturally, you know, that's a simplistic example, but I think that's how I try and build tension by, putting them into difficult situations and having them navigate their way out. I get anxiety just thinking about that. <laughs> <laughs> Are you ever like, oh my, what did I do? Like, why, why did I make this so difficult for her? 
Yes. <laughs> In a word, yes. <laughs> I have oh, yeah. written some scenes and gone, how in the world are you going to get out of this? Like, what are you going to do? There are a couple scenes in um, Anywhere You Run that when I was writing them, I was like, what what do I do now? Like, how will she get out of this? Um, but then that's kind of the joy of writing too, is to see where the story goes. Because when I'm writing it for the first time, I kind of don't know where it's going either. Uh, do you, so the, actually with that, you know, cause I'm thinking about like all the scenes that could be, you know, those could have been, do you ever decide, like, are you ever like, oh my gosh, I need to walk this back. This is just not going to work. Nobody could get out of this. Or do you just challenge yourself to push forward like your characters might? No, I don't think I've ever taken a scene and scrapped it because it was too, too much anxiety. I, I think the more, the better. Um what I have had to do is figure out how does she get out of it and how do I continue to keep the reader along with me? Because here's the thing about um, tension. It is like a rubber band. And so you want to pull the tension as tight as you can um, and then kind of let it snap. But if you pull it too much, then the rubber band breaks, right? And it's the same with a reader. If you're just pulling it along too much, you know, readers are kind of like, that. that's enough, that I'm, I'm good. I can't read 15 pages of that nonstop. And so it's just a matter of just pulling it taut enough that the reader hangs in there with you um, and doesn't give up on the, on the book. So before we go, I want to ask you, uh, there's, is there an adaptation of all her little secrets happening? I, I heard, I heard a rumor and um, man, is it a rumor? You're so not. funny. <laughs> From the look on your face, it is, it is absolutely true. Are you allowed to talk about it? Yes, absolutely. So gosh, I, you know what? I get chills every time I talk about it. Um, yeah, all her little secrets, which was my first book is going to be adapted um, into a one hour limited series television show, um, executive produced and starring Uzo Aduba. Yay! Who, um, starred <laughs> in Orange is the New Black and In Treatment. Um, she's won three Emmys. She's so good. Uh, she is just phenomenal. I, I tell you, the whole team is phenomenal because um, the, the other executive producer is a woman by the name of Denise Davis. And if you're not familiar with her, she produced uh, Insecure, starring Issa Rae. And um, the screenwriter is Orrin Squire, who has written on shows like This Is Us and um, Evil and The Good Fight. So, I mean, it's just like a- Oh my God, that, that is like, that's a really- um... That's a really interesting combination of things, though, because like This Is Us is like to me like that's like, you know, like a tissue fest, like your cry fest and, you know, like feel all the feelings and evil, I mean, is scary. Right? Oh, my God. So scary. <laughs> yeah. But like good because I continue to watch it, but also it's scary. 
Yeah, exactly. But you know what? I think there are aspects of all her little secrets that are really, really scary. They're rooted in realism, but certain parts of that book are really frightening to think about. Um, and so I just think it is a it's a stellar combination of a team. Yeah, I, I'm really excited about it. Well, I'm excited too. Do we know where it's going to run? Do we know um, where it's going to be available or not just yet? Um, it's going to be on Showtime. Um, we don't have a date as of yet of when it's going to script. They, they haven't started filming yet. Um, they are still, you know, writing the, the uh, screenplays. But um, yeah, it'll be on, on Showtime Network. This has been a pleasure. Are you going to, um, is there book three coming out? I am working on my third book as we speak. That's why I'm kind of in sweats. Today is a writing day. Oh, um, come on. If and so, yeah, I'm sweats, working. <laughs> if I could be in sweats every day, I totally would. That is why like when I come to work, I make a big effort because if I'm even remotely <laughs> In sweats, I wouldn't get anything done. You're <laughs> so, so funny. But yeah, it's another book takes place in Georgia, but this time it takes place in um, coastal Georgia, down near Savannah area. And um, it is a uh, present day set. So this one is in historical uh, about a young woman who is dealing with grief and loss, and she has to overcome all that to help. Um, black landowners when she uncovers a scheme that threatens to take away their land. Yeah. So um, I want to thank you very, very much. Um, check out Anywhere You Run and All Her Little Secrets. Uh, you could read them both individually um, and, you know, standalone of themselves, but um, they do fit together sort of like um, a nice, it's like a nice dovetail effect. Yeah. Um, and we can't wait to see what the uh, limited TV series is going to be like. And I can't wait to talk to you again. You're super fun. Yes, to yes please. Have me back. Uh, <laughs> it's been so yeah. much fun. Thank yeah, you that so is, much. <laughs> no, thank you. That is absolutely, um, I, I am going to be reaching out as soon as anything is available. Um, Wanda and Morris, thank you so much for coming caffeinated to Say Asset Libraries Turn the Page podcast. <laughs> Thanks so much. Have a great day, everyone. We are, going, we are going to close this chapter of Turn the Page. It's time to close this chapter of Turn the Page. Join us for the next episode.